and welcome to the Citizen Church podcast. In this podcast, we are working through our current series, Farmers and Fishermen, which is a series all about fueling our faith. So if you need to catch up, then you can listen to the rest of the series in the previous episodes. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy and we'll get straight into it. Great to see you all here. So last week I was on uh, car park duty. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's not an easy job out there at the car park. So I turned up for car park duty last week and there was a massive tailback. In case you haven't been to our amazing citizen uh, car park before, it's down on Park Place. The entrance is right between Subway and Greg's, although that doesn't really narrow it down because there's Greg's on every corner these days. But um, there was, a, there was a huge tailback. There were some temporary traffic lights on Park Place. And we, we arrived, and the traffic was backed up all the way past Hoffy Coffee, if you know what I mean, all the way down the other way towards the museum. It was traffic jam all over. No one could get into our incredible car park. And, uh, and then one of the ladies, I think she was the manager from Greg's, went out with a sign that she'd made. And uh, it was a big sign to say the lights aren't working. And she put the sign on the traffic lights. Didn't really do the trick, I'll be honest. Although there was one uh, BMW driver, nothing against BMW drivers, it just happened to be a BMW driver. I'm not stereotyping BMW drivers or anything like that. But he was honking his horn, said, stuff this, I'm pulling out, I'm just sped, sped, sped on past through the red lights, and on he went. But everyone else was being uh, very obedient. And then I had an idea call my fellow car park team member, Steve, and uh, Steve and I stood by the lights, high-vis vests on, and we started to just wave people through. <laughs> and um, we just started to wave people through, didn't we? One on either light, just, just like that. And every few cars, one of them would be like, it's a red light. That is not a council high-vis vest. That is just some <laughs> randomer's high-vis vest. And, um, but we kept, you know, so we said, they're, they're broken. We would point to them and say they were broken. And they kept on coming through. Traffic jam sort of released. Car park was the fullest we've ever had it. We were into the second section of the car park. I don't know if they were just randomers. But no, I think they were all coming to church. And so we were making a way for people to meet with God. How exciting is that? Well, um, I'm pretty sure that when we left to come to the service, the traffic jam just started all over again. We didn't resolve the issue except temporarily. But, you know, um, what's the point of the story? <laughs> Find my notes. <laughs> Join the car park team. That was the point of the story. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> it was a short-term fix. That's the point. What are the problems that are too big for you right now that you can't even find a short-term fix for? What are the massive things getting between you and God? In the Bible, there's a man called Job. Job suffers terribly. He loses his family. He loses his business. He loses his health. And he just can't understand why he would go through so much suffering. How could God allow it? He's stuck. I know this is a painful topic to touch on. I'm sure, in fact, all of us can relate to Job in some way. 
But for some of you today, it may be extra raw, extra painful. You may have lost a loved one. You may have experienced loss in your family, separation. You may be going through serious financial difficulties right now. There may have been a horrendous diagnosis. I know that's true for some people in our community. And I'm not offering any easy answers this morning. The Bible doesn't offer any easy answers to that pain. In fact, what Job needed was his friends just to hang out with him. They were one of the earliest hangouts in the Bible. And they just sat with him. And they just sat with him in silence. I don't think we have any silent hangouts yet. Maybe we need one of those. They just sat with him for days. So before we go any further, we're actually going to keep a moment of silence, as we always do. We're going to pray. So let's close our eyes. You might want to uh, remove any distractions just by drawing to God. We're family here. We're friends. Father, thank you that you make us family. Jesus, thank you that you call us your friends. Come, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here, you're near us, you're with us, and you're in us. We just take a moment to acknowledge the pain in our lives, pain in this room, pain that might be even in the person sitting next to us. And we thank you, God, you're here. Thank you, you love us. Thank you, you've already been speaking to us. I pray that you would carry on speaking to us today. Give us hope. Show us more of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Well, I'm going to read from Job chapter 41. The words will be on the screens. And uh, it's in chapters 1 and 2 that Job experiences all his loss. And then in chapter 3, he basically cries out to God and he says, Why? Why God? He, in fact, says, I'd rather be dead and then his friends get the wrong idea, and they try to convince him it's his fault that he's suffering so much. They say, you wouldn't be suffering if you hadn't done something wrong. And Job says, basically, I'm pretty sure that's not what's going on here, and I still don't get it. Why? Why, God? And it goes round and round in circles. And then, chapter 41, can you, this is what God says to Job, can you pull in Leviathan with a fishhook? or tie down its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? Will it keep begging you for mercy? Will it speak to you with gentle words? Verse 18, its snorting throws out flashes of light. Its eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flames stream from its mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. It makes the depths Verse 31, churn like a boiling cauldron. 
and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. It leaves a glistening wake behind it. One would think the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is its equal, a creature without fear. And then in chapter 42, Job replies to God, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. My eyes, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And then God blesses Job with even more than he had at the beginning. Twice as much, in fact. And they all live happily ever after. But this is not an easy answer. This is the next in our series, uh, Farmers and Fishermen, a series on fueling your faith. And today we're learning that God is himself the ultimate fisherman. There's no monster of the deep too wild for God. There's no, no, nothing that God is afraid of, nothing he can't control, nothing in the end that God won't defeat. Who's this Leviathan? Well, for a long time, a lot of people read it and they said, well, it sounds a lot like a crocodile. They thought it was a crocodile, but a fire-breathing crocodile. It sounds a bit more like a dragon, but not your friendly Welsh sort of dragon. Don't get me wrong, I'm not accusing the Welsh rugby team of being in any way friendly. I'm trying to become a Scotland fan, you know. I'm trying to leave behind my Englishness now that I've moved to Wales. It's odd psychology, but you can ask me more about it if you want. But anyways, uh, Scotland obviously underestimated the Welsh dragon last weekend. And as an England fan, deep in, deep in my heart, I'm not underestimating next weekend either. But this is something altogether more sinister and more scary. Leviathan it turns out, was the name they gave to a great monster of the deep in an ancient epic poem. Now, this poem was written on clay tablets and lost for thousands of years. And it was discovered in 1928 on the coast of Syria in a town they called Ugarit. And they dug it up and they've been translating it and just working out the implications of what it says for how we understand Leviathan. It's not a crocodile. It's this mythical monster of the deep. It was a sort of massive, twisting serpent that lived in the ocean and that represented chaos. And I find it fascinating that the Bible writers took this myth from before even the Bible times and they brought this myth into the Bible. The, the father of psychotherapy, Sigmund Freud, said that myths are a projection of our unconscious. He says it's like putting our nightmares on the big screen. Myths aren't real. You couldn't find Leviathan even if you had the best sonar submarine. But they are real. We all have nightmares. We all feel powerless. People love myths. Apparently, there's a boom for ancient myths right now in uh, secondary schools. Uh, I used to be a Latin teacher. Maybe I should go back to being Latin. There certainly wasn't a boom when I was a Latin teacher. I would have like two or three kids in my sixth form classes. Um, but Dr. Frances Foster from Cambridge University said this last week. She said, research suggests younger readers can't get enough of mythology. The appeal seems to be the combination of monsters, weird fantasy stuff, and action. Basically, she says, the sort of things you'd find in a lot of computer games. 
So I was Googling Xbox computer games. Don't have an Xbox. Need to come around Ryan sometimes. Dragon Age, Inquisition, The Witcher, Part 3, Dragon Quest 11, Final Fantasy 15, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, based on Lord of the Rings. Well, I'm not really into that stuff, but I do love reading Prince Caspian with my boy. Lord of the Rings, the movies, grossed $3 billion. Amazon Prime are investing $1 billion in a new TV series. I love all that stuff about monsters. I don't know if you're into it as well. But monsters can be a metaphor. They can stand for something else. They can be a, an oppressive regime, a cruel empire, a greedy company. The Bible describes these as monsters, like when the king of Egypt killed all the male children of the Hebrews. The king of Egypt was trying to stamp his mark. He was trying to eradicate chaos with his all-powerful empire. He thought he was fighting a monster, but he turned into one. Nietzsche said, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. Well, I don't agree with Nietzsche on very much, but I think, <laughs> far be it for me to comment, but the, the twisting serpent can be the power of lies the untamable force of rumor, of gossip, of deceit. Maybe you've suffered gossip, you've suffered from slander, words spoken against you, something you said taken way out of context, and your reputation feels wrecked, you feel powerless. And sometimes we've got to throw up our hands and say, this is too big for me. We've got to get to the point where we say that only God can tackle this one. We've got to be on our knees in front of the king of kings. We used to live in uh, Brazil, and we were extremely lucky to go on this incredible holiday down the Amazon River uh, a couple of years ago with my mum and dad. And um, we, uh, so we were on this boat. We, we chartered, the, we hired this little boat. We rented it for a few days with a, and it was called Jesus Christ the Second. So there you go. Uh, that was the name of our boat, just randomly. And, um, and a few days in, and we hadn't seen any sloths yet. And I went and spoke to our incredible guide. He was this guy from Guyana. And I said, I've lived in Brazil for six years, and I've never seen a sloth. He said, you're joking. You've never seen a sloth? I can spot sloths. And in the next hour, he pointed out six sloths to me, munching the leaves up in the top of the trees. Anyway. In the Amazon, there's this fish, this incredible big fish. I know some of you are into fishing. You've probably heard of it, the Arapaima. And the Arapaima is kind of like a Leviathan creature, not quite as big, obviously, but uh, this huge fish. And they took us to the place where the Arapaimas feed and gave us this fishing rod. Now, this, is a, this was a rod, like this was a big, thick stick with a string on the end with some arapaima food. And they told us that we had to hold it with our legs braced apart for extra strength and to lean the rod against the fence um, so that it would support the weight when the arapaima, and we were like, yeah, whatever, this is gonna be fine, this is no big deal. Have you got the photo of me trying to fish for an arapaima? There it is. That's me in my jungle gear on the left. There I am. And uh, it was unbelievably heavy. He just came along, yanked the food off, and off he went again. And then same again and again and again. And you can see how this, this big stick is sort of bending under the weight. Well, the Arapaima is the closest I've got 
to Leviathan, and it was scary enough for me. But God says to Job, can you catch Leviathan? Much bigger and scarier than a little Arapaima. Of course you can't, but I can. The Bible says that Jesus crushed the scariest twisting serpent. He was the only one who could, who could fight the monster without becoming a monster. He was the only one who could catch chaos and bring it under control. He was the one who defeats the death-dealing power of evil. Jesus stilled the storms with a word. Jesus brought peace to troubled minds. Jesus set people free. And on the cross, Jesus brought under control our greatest enemy. And by rising out of the grave, he showed that he'd won. He releases us from fear, from the things too big for us. He tackles our greatest problem. He silences our accusers, and he speaks an even better word. He calls us friends. He calls us loved. And Jesus starts a peaceful movement a movement that has coursed throughout human history, a kingdom of love that's in every country. And one day, he'll put an end to all wrong, to all death. He will double the blessings. No more nightmares. God's the ultimate fisherman. So there's nothing we should dread. There's nothing too big for him. There's no word that he can't cancel out. There's no curse he can't overcome with his blessing. There's no habit he can't break. There's no addiction he doesn't dissolve. His power is vaster than any empire's. His wisdom goes deeper than the deepest conspiracy theory. And his love is higher than any treasure this world offers. And you know, I believe God now asks us the same question he asked Job at the end. Can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook? And on one level, the answer, of course, is no. Of course I can't. Only you can. We need to bring to Jesus those things that are too big for us. Only he could, could fix those broken traffic lights. You know, I was reflecting... Um, We've, we live in Landoc over in Panath, and we've been getting to know some of the families there locally. They can't really believe that I'm a priest for some reason, and um, they're saying, you know, the, the church is in a bit of decline, isn't it? It looks a bit empty and all this, and um, not just talking about the church in Landoc, but I said, you know, that church building there, there have been people worshiping God there since AD 450, not 1450, 450, and what an incredible, and he said, you know, but surely, you know, things are at a pretty low ebb right now. And I said, well, we've been through a few low, low ebbs over the last 16 centuries. God's been faithful so far. God's always doing something new. He said, yeah, but surely you must have like a strategy meeting or something. I said, yeah, we have our strategy meetings. We work out what we can do and so on. God is faithful. God is doing something new. God has defeated our greatest enemy, and God is on the move. Jesus says to us, will you be fishers of men? Can you? And of course we can't, 
but if we follow him, we can. And I love it how in, we're reading through Mark's gospel in Bible in one year and at the moment, and Jesus says to them, well, he calls his first disciples, they leave their nets. He says, will you be fishers of men with me? And, and they follow him. And I love it how then they go out and they set someone free who's been oppressed by evil. They, they then go out and they, they release someone who's been trapped by paralysis. And he's released and given his economic empowerment. I love how they then go out and uh, he's stilling the storms. And, uh, and there's another guy who's been collecting taxes for a cruel, oppressive empire. And he's released to serve and to have a true purpose under a good king, a great leader, the king of kings. Can you come fishing with me? Jesus says, Jesus is the only one who can, but he calls us to join with him, to go fishing with him. That might mean joining the car park team. That might mean joining another team. But wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, it's making a difference. It's speaking the truth instead of lies. It's uh, replacing maybe a gossipy environment with somewhere where we speak good about others, breaking fear, encouraging someone as they're about to face something that's huge for them, being the first to congratulate them on a win, however small it might be. But you might be in the place where Job was right at the start. You might be going through the pain right now. And what you need more than anything else is just that group of friends around you. You might not be ready right now to respond to that invitation of Jesus to go fishing. You might just need some people to sit with you wherever you are right now. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't already know, then you can join us live on Sundays. We go live on YouTube at 11.30 a.m. Or you can join us in person at our 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. services at our Cate's campus in Cardiff. We hope to see you there soon. Otherwise, I hope you have an incredible week and we'll see you soon.